So we're in a, a four-week journey on talking about worship. Two weeks ago, we talked about focusing our worship, that our worship is upward. Uh, like Martha, we can, we can get so focused on what goes on, what all needs to take place, that we forget to sit at the feet of Jesus, that we forget that we are in the presence of God and that our worship is upward. And last week, we, we walked through and looked at how at times we can sit amongst the Pharisees, where we do all this preparation and get ready for, for the Sabbath, if you would, and, and we forget to prepare our hearts and that worship is from inward, from inwardly. And so that, that there's this concept of where worship is, is up and, and worship is, is from within. And today I want to talk about how worship is also expressed outwardly. That while we, we think about worship being very vertical towards God, there is a big element that our worship is horizontal towards one another. And so to get us there, uh, I want to spend a little bit of time, and it's going to feel like a, a, a brief moment of a TED Talk, because uh, I, I want to kind of get us to, to, to dive in and kind of understand and see what's going on with our bodies when we sing. Uh, my wife has a superpower. She, is, she has been able to do something that has been really unique to me over the years. Uh, when she is asleep, she is able to tune out certain noises. Uh, we, we used to have a TV in our, in our bedroom, and I, I cannot go to sleep at night without noise or something. And so I would watch some TV, and she would sleep right through it. But her superpower is this. That if any one of my children would walk into the room that, that evening while she was dead asleep and just whisper to me, she would jump up. What's wrong? What do you need? Everything okay? I mean, it was as if like she was tuned in to their sound immediately. I could be dead asleep and Gavin come shake me and I'm pretty sure I could sleep through it pretty good. But when my wife she is in tune to their voice, even when it's as low as a whisper, and she is out cold. She can jump and see what's going on. Sounds. Sounds make a difference. And, and we all tune in to different sounds, and sounds have different meanings. For instance, this sound right here, two notes played. Go ahead and turn that up some more, Clint. I really want to blast everybody out. <laughs> we won't get scared. Though. Two notes. And some of you, when you hear that and you're by the ocean, you're not getting into the water because you're afraid. And some of you, when you hear that and you're about to take a bath, you just call it and not go to bed dirty, right? <laughs> Those two notes wake up the part of our brain that is flight, fight, or freeze, that it, it, it sends this signal in our brain and says, wait a minute, something might not be right. Just two notes can create fear within our brain, our mind, and our soul. Just two notes. 
And, and that, that same thing that wakes up, that, that part of your brain that wakes up that's fight, fight, or freeze. If you've ever listened to a song and, and you hear this beautiful voice that's just getting real high pitched and you kind of get the chills that go over your back. What's going on is, is that same part of your brain, that fight, fight, or freeze part of your brain is awake and it's saying something's going on and adrenaline kind of sets in, but then it realizes that you're safe. And so dopamine comes in at the same time and you get these chills that go all over your body. Here's a, here's another sound clip. No, not that one yet. Sorry. I think I just saw somebody take off running through the party. Like, it creates energy, excitement, like you're ready to go exercise. Even if you really don't want to exercise, you play that and you're really ready to go. You, you get this sensation over your, your brain that's saying, hey, I'm, I'm awake. I'm, I'm ready to move. Let's get going. Here's another one. that remembers things. Nostalgia, that song brought about some nostalgia. The part of your brain that, that, that recalls certain moments. You, some of you could even probably remember when you first heard that song when you were watching The Wizard of Oz. Some of you can remember sitting with your parents watching that on screen. But, but certain sounds promote and, and create and the ability to remember. They'll, they'll take stroke victims who are having a hard time remembering and, and with short-term memory, and they'll start singing what's going to go on that day or that week. And those stroke victims are able to remember that short-term memory because it woke up another part of their brain through song. They'll also take those who, who have had some brain injury, who, who aren't able to say certain words and speak, like say the word light, and they'll put it in a song like this little light of mine, and they'll begin to sing it. And that person with that brain in, injury is able then to say that word light in song. I had a, had a friend in college that had a very uh, intense stuttering problem. When he got up to, to speak, he would, he would just stutter over and over and over again like he would get stuck on certain words but when he sung it was just smooth as could be because that wakes up a different part of our brain here's another clip
just saw Lewis do one of these. The Carol putting his arm up. I saw him again. <laughs> certain sounds, certain music makes us think of our significant other. It makes us think of, of love, that intensity. It, it, it wakes up another part of our, our mind, our psyche, our brain, and says, hey, I'm thinking of somebody that I'm really close to right now. I'm not going to talk about that one. get excited with certain songs. Certain songs just kind of make you happy, right? Especially if they have the word happy in it. Uh, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. You just can't help but start the move. When certain songs are played, they, they get you excited. And then there's some songs that, that bring about other emotions. songs can promote and create you to cause your, your mind to imagine, to dream. But they can also bring about controversy. They can also bring about arguments and intensity and, and just not knowing what other people think when they hear that song. Like Songs create so much in our lives, in our minds, in our bodies, in our emotions. It, it, it activates all different parts of our brain. It wasn't up until like 20 years ago that they studies showed that it, that it, when we hear music, that it wakes up all various parts of our brain. It, at one point, they just thought it opened up one portion of your brain. But songs, we get connected with. And there's certain songs that, that I like, and there's certain songs that you like. For, for instance, this is one of, one of my favorite songs that really just kind of bring emotion and excitement out of me. Clint, let's make sure you have this one really loud. I want them to experience what I experienced while I put headphones in. The broken down and tired of living life on a merry-go-round and you can't find a fighter but I see it in you so we can walk it out Ooh, mountains We can walk it out and Ooh, mountains And I rise up I rise like the day I rise If I'm being honest in this moment right now I've got so much emotion so much feeling, so much passion. I hear this voice just radiating in my soul. And it gives me some kind of sense of hope. 
some kind of sense of energy. And I'm standing here looking at people that I know love me, and I know I'm in a good spot. Music does incredible things. It can make us move. It can end wars, create passion, remind us of love and hope. And studies show that our brains are so uniquely different that there's no brain that's that's alike and and when when you when you play certain sounds and certain musics studies show that that it may wake this person's up this person's brain up and this person's emotions up and it may wake this other person's emotions up in different ways and when we think about songs and I think about music when I share that with you there's a part of me that is Allowing myself to be open about my identity. One of the things that we'll do on the bands and stuff at times is, is we'll, we'll ask people just to play their music. The, ask the teens to play their music. And some are, are very open and willing to show their music. Some are very reluctant to because in the reality, when, when they share a song that they love, they're sharing a piece of who they are. They're sharing a piece of what makes them tick, what makes them think. And so as I, th- I think about these scriptures we're about to go into, I told you I wanted to give you a, a brief TED Talk on the brain and music. Because when we dive into these next passages, I think we've missed something over the years. I think I have missed something over the years. And I wanted to set the stage so that maybe on these pages something new comes to light. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to look, starting in verse 15. Ephesians 5, verse 15. Be careful then, how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Verse 19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, or spiritual songs. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to the God, the Father, for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 19 again. Speaking to one another. Speaking to one another. Go to Colossians 3. Colossians 3. We're going to look at verses 15, 16, and 17. Colossians chapter 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks to the God the Father through him. Verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach 
and admonish, or another way, as you counsel one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and, and spiritual songs. So these two passages. There's this call to worship God. There's this call to sing praises to God. There's this call to sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Those three things there. He, he's calling them to do that. But right before he says that, he says to one another. That there is an audience taking place when we sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. There's other people listening. And that we are called to sing those, not just vertically towards God, but we're called to sing those so that others learn. So that others find counsel. So that others are encouraged. Paul is all about this one another concept. All through his letters, he talks about how we need to love one another, care for one another, teach one another, build one another up, carry each other's burdens. And here he says in your song, in your song, when you sing, do that to one another. Encourage one another. Counsel one another through songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. And as I think about Paul, and I think about his life, and him being in prison there with silence, they're, they're there in, in this jail cell, and it's midnight, and they break out in prayers and songs. And, and as I used to think about that, I think, yes, in that moment, even they are willing to praise God. Even in that moment, and in that persecution, they're willing to, to focus in on who God is and how great God is and willing to sing and worship and praise His name. They are in that moment able to stay in reverence and know where God is in their life. But it also says that those around were listening. The other people in the cells were listening and hearing this. And this is what I think. If I'm Silas and I'm in a jail cell at midnight and I don't know what's about to happen, I don't know what's going to take place. I need a song that's going to help me rise up. I need a song that's going to help me be encouraged. And if Paul starts breaking out in song, in that moment I start joining him because I start believing and seeing that there is a God that's here in my life then I think what happened in the jail cell with Paul and Silas, even though their worship was vertical, it was very much horizontal, that in the moment of desperation, they couldn't help but worship God because they couldn't help but need to worship God. They needed to hear from one another the glory of God. Let's go to Psalms 105 real quick. Psalms 105. Psalms 105 starts off. And look at the first two verses. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous acts or wonderful acts. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Sing to him, sing praise to him. So why? So that the nations will know what he has done. 
praise God so that the nations will know what's going on, of who he is, what he has done, where he has led you. We sing because we are proclaiming to others how good and how wonderful God is in our lives. We teach and we encourage one another when we sing. In the 1960s, this theology started to, to rise up. A God is dead theology. And it's a little confusing. There, there's some in that group that, that were saying, they weren't saying that God is actually dead. They were saying that there's this concept in, in humanity that we have come in such a state that we don't even really think we need God anymore. Therefore, God is dead. And some were saying yeah, God is no longer involved in the existence. He, he created things and, and, and he, he moved through the, the, the people in, in, in the Old Testament and we see that and then he sent Jesus and Jesus was enough. And now that we have the example of Jesus, we don't need God anymore. But nonetheless, this God is dead theology started to rise up. And other people started to hear this theology and, and, and the culture started to shift and atheism grew. And for the first time on Times Magazine, they would, they would publish not a picture on Time Magazine, but this question, is God dead in 1966? For the first time, Times Magazine would let go of pictures on their front page and they would put three words asking a very profound question because this is what the nation was asking. They were asking, is God a lie? And this gentleman named Aaron Dicus, who actually invented the, the turn signal, wrote a song. He wrote a song and, and, and some believe he wrote it in response to this because it came out in 1966. But he wrote a song so that others would hear the answer, his answer to this question. And we're going to take a moment and sing it real quick. We know it as 728B. Let's stand and let's sing this song real quick. There is beyond the azure blue a God concealed from human sight. He tinted the skies with heavenly hue and framed the world with His great might. There is a God.
sun upon a tree. A life was willing there to give, that he from sin might set men free, and never more with him could live. There is a God. wanted to make sure that I was not the one leading that song. I don't know why, because I think I could bring that one. It connected to those people. It connected to that culture in that moment, and it answered a question that they were all asking. Is there a God? There is beyond the azure blue a God consumed from you in sight. He answers it with, the, with a profound yes. That when he sings and when he, we, we sing and proclaim that song, we're sharing with others. We are telling the nations an answer to a lifelong question, is there a God? And, and the thing is, is that we get really disconnected when it comes to our songs. I can remember when, when the, uh, the Discman came out. It was a, a step up of a Walkman. A Discman was the, the CD, portable CD player. And you couldn't move much without it skipping. But then the, the iPod came out, and then everybody has their iPhone. And I have the ability to have any song I want at any time, anywhere. But here's what's interesting about that. When you get in a vehicle with, with, a, with several people, everybody's earbuds go in. And they're all listening to their own song. There's a disconnect that takes place. And what's interesting when we come here, there's no earbuds, we put our phones up, we're all together. And there's an ability to connect with one another through singing. And the problem is, is we tend to not know each other's songs. As I was getting ready for the sermon last week, this is my dad's old songbook that I'm pretty sure he took unknowingly to bring Church of Christ elders from their pew. But he carried it around. He had it for a while. And, and I never had really looked into it. It just kind of sat in the bottom part of a closet in my office. Uh, I had acquired it years ago. But I opened it up, I think, for the first time last week. Because I know I did not see ever what was inside of it until, until this week. And then the front page... I've got to get some glue. He's taken and he typed up all of his favorite songs. Every one of them. I knew a few of these. 728B was the last one typed on here. I knew Amazing Grace. I knew Where No One Stands Alone. But there were several more of them that I didn't know were his favorite songs. And I started thinking about that and I think... We tend to not know each other's favorite songs until we attend their funeral. I mean, 
Have you thought about that? Like you go to someone's funeral. And at that funeral, you sing their favorite song. And you walk away and say, I never knew that was her or his favorite song. That was my favorite song too. And the thing is, if we're going to teach and admonish one another through songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, if we're going to lift one another up through songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, we need to know each other's songs so we can connect with one another. We need to know one another's songs. This Wednesday night, we're going to worship in here. We're going to sing. And last Wednesday night, I asked those who were here to, to write down their favorite songs and give it to them so we can sing that. And there's, back on the chosen table, there's some cards. If you weren't here last Wednesday night, I would love for you to, to write down your favorite song and leave it there in that, that little plate. But it was really interesting looking at that. It was interesting to find out that, that I believe William and, and Tucker have the same favorite song as my girl. I'm not going to tell you what that is. You're going to find out this Wednesday night. That Sandra Smallwood and my son Gavin have the same favorite song. That Christy and Daryl Bulls and Kim Hanley have the same favorite song. I think it's important for us to know each other's song. And on top of that, there'll be homemade ice cream. And if you would like to sign up for homemade ice cream, not to eat it, I'm already there on that list, to bring it, we need some more homemade ice cream for this Wednesday night. I'm going to end with this thought here. About nine years ago, Monty Cox was here. And he said a story that, that has stuck out to me ever since then. I think of it constantly. Monty Cox is a professor at, at Harding in the Bible department. He, he's been a minister at the downtown Church of Christ there in Searcy. He said that he, he when he worships, when he, he sings, there are certain things that he connects with and there are certain things he doesn't. One of the things that he really does not connect with, that, that is not something that is how he expresses worship towards God, is hand raising. He says that's just not him. But he says his wife, his wife, when she's singing, wants and desires to lift her hand because there's something that moves her in it. And there's something that moves us when we sing. Like I was watching The Greatest Commands. Some of you started swaying, right? When we sing and we see the words, there's things that move us. And he says, Monty says that, that his wife, she wants to raise her hands. But she's also an introvert. She's also someone that doesn't want to be seen doesn't want to be sitting there alone raising her hands. So when he knows, and he has to be aware of it, he has to be in tune with her, but he knows when he knows that she is in a moment where she wants to sing, and she's singing, and she's going, and she wants to just lift her hand to God and just connect even more, he'll raise his hands with, along with her so that she is not standing there alone. Because when he walks into worship, he knows that his worship is very much vertical, but it is also horizontal. It is very much upward, but it's also outward. I think we can be that, that place. I think we can be a place where we acknowledge that we are here to worship God, but we are here to encourage and admonish and counsel and lift up one another, and we can do that through songs.
And I know that because over the last several months, I've seen us sing a variety of songs. I've seen us sing songs that, that are so old I didn't know and so new that I didn't know. I've seen us sing some songs that are my favorite songs that are, that are our youth group's favorite songs that are other people's favorites, even Lewis's, right? I think we can be that place where when we gather here and we sing and we worship, that we are acknowledging that it's not just about me and God, but it's also about me encouraging others because others might be sitting in their own jail cell at midnight wondering, is there a God? Because others who are in this room right now might be dealing with some pretty heavy stuff and they need to hear that there is the omni-azure blue, a God that is in, concealed in human sight, but he is here among you. And he is for you. And that you can rise up. There's this famous Polish composer, Paderewski. I worked on that name quite a bit. Who was putting together a concert. And this lady and her son attended it. Her son was about eight years old and, and had started playing the piano. And she thought it would be really good to take him to Paderewski's concert and listen to, uh, to him play the piano. And so they're sitting there, and, and she's kind of caught up with, with everything going on. She's talking to people around her, and she looks, and her son has disappeared. And this is, this is a story, a preacher's story. I don't know the real history behind it. But her son disappears, and, and she's looking frantically, talking to her, her friends, and, and then all of a sudden... She hears a noise up on the stage where this beautiful piano has the light just shining down on it. And she looks up and there her son is, moving the chair and sitting up, climbing up to the piano, starting to play with one hand, twinkle, twinkle, little star. People start kind of making some noise. Wanting this child to get off, they've come to hear this great composure, not this eight-year-old son, eight-year-old boy. The, the woman begins to be embarrassed. And in a brief moment, Paderewski walks out on stage, sits down beside this boy, puts his arm around him, and starts to play the other part, the twinkle, twinkle little star. Then he begins to add his own rendition of it adding his own music to it. And the, everybody quiets down. And while he's playing, he tells the small boy, don't quit, keep playing. Don't quit, keep playing. In that moment, Paderewski created a mashup. Something that this little boy loved and something that he could do. He put those together. And today we've been singing some mashups, some old songs and new songs that are blended together. Our invitation this, this today is, is Amazing Grace. My chains are gone. It's a mashup of, of one of my dad's favorite songs, but also with a new song blended into it. If we come in here with the posture that we are going to worship God and that we're going to allow it to be from our hearts and that while we're here, we're going to teach and admonish and care and encourage one another. 
we won't know our songs from one another. It's all of our songs that start to blend. And maybe we will sing so loud that Paris, Texas will hear our song and know that there's a God. If you have any need today, any need, if you need to put God in on, on, on baptism and, and you want to commit your life to him, we can do that. If you need to let go of some of your selfishness where you've walked in here and you say, I want to hear my song and the songs that I've always liked and I've always do. You need to let go of some selfishness and you need to, to, to share that with someone today and, and, and talk about that. Now's the time to as well. But come as we sing this song.